I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, and that he might be firstborn among the many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What, then, shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who, then, is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Just a reminder to turn your mobile phones off. <laughs> that was mine, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, may you help us to 
live in this world of, of suffering and sin. May you help us to know life and joy within the, within the struggles and sufferings we, we experience on a daily basis. And may you help us to become closer to one another and to you through all that we do. Amen. Well, welcome everybody um, to the second uh, talk in our Lent series about evil, suffering and hope. Uh, last week we, um, we looked at questions of why, the questions we have about why. Why does God allow um, evil and suffering to persist in our world? And if you missed it last week, you can listen to it on the podcast. Hey! Um, but to, just to, for those of you who are like, no, I can't be bothered with that, I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you what we kind of concluded. We concluded that, um, that actually we can never, uh, we, we, we don't have a full answer. We can never have a full answer to that question of why. We can't answer it fully. Um, but we did explore some helpful ideas as we continue to wrestle with these questions in our lives. And today's talk is thinking not about why, but questions of how. How can we live in a world of evil and suffering? How can we live faithfully in it? How can we respond to it? And how can we get through it? Because it's not easy, is it? When we're really, really going through the mill, it's really, really hard to know and to see how we're going to get through it. And in some ways, I think this is actually more of a relevant uh, question for us. Um, because for most of us, uh, evil and suffering, it's not just, uh, it's not just a phil philosophical conundrum for us to sort of wonder about, like, uh, you know, how many angels can you fit on the, the head of a pin? Uh, or as a, a friend of mine, when I was young in my youth group, used to have this uh, head scratcher. He said, could God... Uh, make a pot noodle so hot that he himself could not eat it. <laughs> and it was, you know, that's, that's a head scratcher, isn't it? You know, a philosophical question. But really, you know, the question of evil and suffering for most of us is not really just a philosophical problem for us to wonder about. It's, it's a daily lived experience, isn't it? Something we experience uh, over and over again. And it calls for more than just philosophy. It calls for something more practical as well. And that's what we're going to be thinking about in today's uh, service. Uh, the other thing about this, of course, is that uh, last week when we talked about evil and suffering, we, we talked about it kind of as a concept. And when you talk about it as a concept, it kind of, it sounds like one thing. But suffering is, isn't the same. Is it? It's not all the same. Not all suffering is the same. It's, first of all, it's experienced differently by each one of us. But also, when we think about suffering, suffering can be really different in what it's caused by, uh, you know, the environment that, that produces it. So, you know, and, and how we respond to it then is also different. So if you think about it, you know, suffering caused by poverty uh, or suffering caused by climate change or suffering caused by disease is different from, say, suffering caused by the breakdown of a relationship. The causes are different, aren't they? of that suffering, and therefore our response to that suffering will be different as well. And I'm going to suggest uh, four ways that we can respond to uh, 
to suffering in the world, evil and suffering. Four ways that we can live faithfully uh, in a, a world which has so much evil and suffering. The first of those is lamenting. Lamenting or lamentation. To lament. It's uh, an old-fashioned word and to be honest, in Western culture, it's become an old-fashioned thing, something we don't really do anymore. To lament literally means to give expression to painful feelings. To give expression. Letting it out, basically, is what we would call it now. You know when we say, let it out. Okay, it means mourning, crying, um, expressing outwardly how we're feeling, what's going on, how we feel about it, honestly. That is what lamenting is. And, and the thing is, is actually, I think we see this better, lamenting, we see better uh, in, in other cultures rather than kind of modern Western, the modern Western culture, um, which tends to kind of see like crying, and, and being upset and complaining and uh, expressing sort of, you know, how we're feeling is, is quite ugly and quite upsetting rather than as, as healing and helpful. Um, but in, in cultures across the world, um, you know, lamenting is actually is, is a really common and accepted part of those cultures. So, for example, in some cultures, when somebody dies, there's, a, there's an intense period of mourning of crying, of, of literal wailing out loud, uh, of a kind of an unrestrained release of emotion. And it's usually done in a community setting. It's normally done as a whole family, or it's done as a whole village, or as a whole kind of tribe gathering and just allowing that expression of grief to come out together, not done as an individual. And research shows that um, people in cultures that, that, that mourn in this way, that, that allow lament to be a part of their, their, their life together, tend to heal quicker than people in cultures that don't. And the people of the Bible were like this too. The Bible has loads of lamenting in it, of people expressing honestly how they're feeling, complaining about the situation to God. And the thing is, we, we tend to focus, the Bible is full of it, but we tend to focus in church on just the happy stuff, don't we? Um, and that, I don't think that's necessarily good for us. The Psalms, about a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Psalms of acknowledging that things are not good. And spiritually, I think this is quite important for us. Um, because what the Bible, I think, is trying to show us is that we can lament, we can talk honestly about how things are not how we want them to be, we can feel honestly about how we feel about things without fear of condemnation from God. God invites us to be honest with Him. God can take it. And in fact, some of the l lamenting in the Bible is really, really strong. Uh, it blames God. Why, God, have you allowed this to happen? Why, God, where are you? Are you just God when this has been allowed 
to happen. It's really, really strong. But that's okay. Because God can take it. God invites us to be honest with him because God wants to be in a relationship with us. And that is with us truly, not as we would want to present ourselves to God. Sometimes I think we think that, that God will only accept certain bits of us. Or we, we feel like we can only present certain things to God. But God wants to be in relationship with us fully, with all of us. And so we can speak honestly to God in lamentation. And, and in fact, through lamenting, you see in the Bible, the people find that they are led to a better place. They are able to move through their feelings of grief, of shame, of disappointment, whatever it is. It's actually through acknowledging with God that what's going on and being open and honest, that they are led to a better place. And it's something that we can do, something we need to do. Now, that's not to say that there aren't more or less appropriate places to do this, okay? So a kid's birthday party is not the place for lament, all right? But there are places, and church, our worship together, church should be one of those places. Um, and in fact, in a couple of weeks, to finish the series, we are going to have a service of lament and healing. And during that service, we will have time to lament, to express our feelings of pain and sadness. But not just, we don't need to wait, obviously, for these services we only do very occasionally. It's something that we can do informally, maybe in conversation with friends in the church that we trust, uh, maybe in an explore group, if you're part of an explore group. It's something that I think we can do, uh, we actually do in the service when we come to the confession. You know, we, we say every week the confession, don't we? And we're confessing our sins and our failures, but also I think confession is a time when we can kind of present to God all that we need him for. We can lament things in the confession. Um, also, sometimes you might find that actually just expressing the words is, is just too hard. Well, in the church now, we have this area over by the side of church where the candles are. And uh, the, the, the candle stand was, was given to us by Neville Black, a former vicar here, uh, some time ago. And he, he said, you know, could you do one of these? And I said, oh yeah, we could definitely use them for the memorial services that we have in November. Um, but ever since it's gone in, it has been used more than any of us would have imagined. Because there's something, even when we can't find the words, just the expression of lighting a candle is a way of opening our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts to God in a way that are open and honest. So number one, lamenting. Then we think about, well, and I think lamenting is something we can do in, in every circumstance, with every form of suffering that we experience. Lamenting is a thing that we can do and should do and is helpful. 
Um, and then we're going to move now to, to look at some of the different ways that we might respond to different kinds of suffering. And the first one I want to look at is, um, is repentance and forgiveness. Now, when I was originally writing this sermon, it, this wasn't in, in there, but I sort of, as I came to think about it some more, I thought it's something that we, we do need to think about because we as human beings, we are, we're fundamentally relational people, aren't we? We, we're, we're made to be in relationship with God, and we're made to be in relationship with one another. And so much of our suffering comes from breaks and hurts in our relationships, which is caused by sin, isn't it? That's what, that's what sin does. Sin causes breaks and hurts in our relationships with God and with each other. And, you know, fundamentally, our relationship with God um, suffers because of our sin. Sin, uh, our sin alienates us, it isolates us from God. Uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when uh, God says to them, don't eat, don't eat that apple, and then of course they go and eat that apple, what do they do after that? They hide themselves from God. They alienate themselves from God. They turn away from God and they cover themselves up because they're, they're filled with shame. And God goes to find them, doesn't he? He goes searching for them. And, and that's, that's what happens in our relationship with God. We can get alienated and isolated from God and feel uh, that, that that relationship is not there to, that, that God is not, is not for us, actually. And that causes us to suffer, suffer spiritually, suffer emotionally, suffer psychologically. And the same with our relationships with other people. Um, and so repentance is, is, a, is a moment of where, where our sin causes us to turn away from God and hide. Repentance is where we turn towards God and show ourselves to him. And we turn away from sin and we, we, we come back to God and try to live uh, according to the way that he wants, according to his wisdom and his guidance. And, and by doing this, we receive God's forgiveness. And that forgiveness begins to heal some of the hurts of our suffering. And it helps us to seek reconciliation as well in our relationships with other people. It can be quite complicated actually sometimes with other people because they're not as reliable as God, are they? Um, we aren't as reliable as God, but God enables us through his grace to find healing for our sufferings that are caused by um, the sins that we commit and the sins that we are on the receiving end of. So we can respond to suffering through repentance and through forgiveness. But then there are, there are, there are other things, other sufferings caused that are, that are much more structural and they're much more to do with the world, things that we cannot, uh, cannot change just by ourselves. And those, those things, when we think about, uh, let's take, for example, poverty and the suffering that's caused by poverty or climate change right now, the suffering that is caused by climate change, um, the te te temperatures in uh, like the the central regions of the planet are becoming so hot that it's almost impossible for people to survive there now. And if the planet keeps getting hotter, essentially it will be uninhabitable for humans in in equatorial regions of the country. And you think about how many millions of people currently live in those regions. 
that won't be able to live there. They are going to have to, to migrate. They're going to have to flee. They're going to have to seek sanctuary in other countries. Or we think about maybe the suffering that's caused by disease. Disease isn't our fault, is it? We don't cause disease, but we still suffer from it. That kind of suffering, rather than needing repentance and forgiveness, needs to be challenged and resisted. And I think it can be challenged and resisted in three ways. It can be, so something um, that is uh, kind of medical, we challenge through medicine and we challenge through technology. As resisting evil through, through technology and through medicine. Or something that is like structural and political, we challenge through by, by challenging those structures. Think of Martin Luther King. The suffering that he and his fellow African Americans suffered at the hands of the white population in the United States. He challenged that structure. He didn't accept it. He stood up against him. It cost him his life. And we think about in, in our own country, how many children live in poverty? Millions of children live in poverty. Millions experience food insecurity. And that suffering needs to be challenged and resisted. We're trying to do our bit here with the pantry. But that is something that we can challenge through social and political action. And we can also challenge evil in the spiritual world as well, through prayer. That actually that there are spiritual forces which, which want to see the world broken and damaged and hurt and alienated from God. And we need to challenge those things through prayer. We can live, uh, we can respond to evil and suffering by challenging it and resisting it where we see it. And it's vitally important we do. Because if we don't, if we're quiet, then evil just grows and perpetuates and gets worse. Which brings me to my final thing. We've had lamenting, we've had uh, repentance and forgiveness, we've had challenging and resisting. The last one is persevering, keeping going. Because it's not easy. And actually, we have to acknowledge that we'll never be free from suffering in this life. Jesus never promises that. That in this life, we will be free from all suffering. And the Bible calls us to persevere with that to not give up. Sometimes when we see the suffering in the world, we just think, what can I possibly do? What can I possibly do? Well, the answer is, you can't fix it all. <laughs> we can't. We need to recognise that fact, recognise where they are. But that doesn't mean we resign ourselves to the fact of evil and suffering. We're called to persevere. And perseverance is only something we can do together. We need to encourage one another to keep going when times are hard. 
That is what Jesus calls the church to be for each other, to help us and to help others who are not part of our community to persevere through the sufferings of life. Bear each other's burdens, the Apostle Paul says. Carry each other's burdens through life. It's not something that we can do, we do perfectly, but we're called to give it a go. So we do it together, but we also do it with Jesus. And Jesus promises to be with us through the trials and troubles of this life. And that brings us at the end to the reading that we got from Romans chapter 8. And I just want to read this last little bit for you. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, I am convinced that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. And that is something that can help us and sustain us and help us to persevere through the trials of this life. It also gives us the power to stand up, to challenge injustice, to challenge that unnecessary suffering that is caused in the world. It helps us, brings us to a place of repentance and forgiveness and allows us to be free to speak honestly about how we feel because we know that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who hears us, and will never let us go. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you would climb over any mountain, travel through any valley, overcome any obstacle, to bring us back to you. And Lord, as we reflect truthfully and honestly about the trials and the suffering that we go through, trials and the sufferings that we see others go through, it is so often hard to keep faith. and easy to slip into despair or resignation or apathy. 
We pray, Lord, that you would keep our hope alive and that you would help us to live faithfully in the world. Amen.